All right, before we settle down, let's take our declaration of understanding as we begin to study. Are we ready? Yes, sir. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word. The Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. And the Lord will do just as we have said in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It will happen that by the time you are living here today, every affliction will have left your body. Amen. And every confusion will have left your heart Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. You will have clear direction. Amen. You will make the right decision Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Greet somebody beside you as you are sitting down. Bless the person. Bless them. Bless the person. Hallelujah. Now, I get to this point once in a while. I don't know whether I'm switching topics. I'm going on with what we were discussing before. It's the same spirit of um, what we have been talking about, just that once in a while we may shift a bit of emphasis. So again, I don't know whether this will be the last in the last series or the beginning of a new one. But let me preach today at the end. We will decide. Amen? All right. The Lord is good. Um, let's read two portions of the scriptures to start. And then... I'll pick from there the thoughts I want to bring out to us. First of all, let's read from the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Now, I want to say something as we start. Lukewarm Christianity is very bad. Do you hear what I said? Lukewarm Christianity is what? God doesn't like it at all. And I just feel in my spirit that what he's saying to us now is that we should get up and heat up the Christianity till it's red hot. The problem with faith is that people don't commit fully in what they call faith. They don't. They want to play safe. What they want to do is that, let me give an example. If Jesus says something, about, let me, just a very simple example. Don't worry about tomorrow. We learn it and we claim we use it in prayer. Then we'll go out, we'll go and learn how to worry about tomorrow. Then we'll change the title. We'll call it planning. The concept is that following the Lord is actually very radical. You know I've said that again and again. Following him is, is like throwing yourself off a cliff. You can't see the bottom. But you know that the Lord says that he will catch you. He will take care of you. So the time you throw yourself off, you don't know what's down there. Whether you are going to hit a mass of concrete in the next 30 seconds of falling, or you are going to, you know, be caught with one spring net, or a bird is waiting to just pick you up in his wings like the eagle and fly away. You don't know. He just says, jump off. And then what he does actually is that he jumps off before you. He lets you know this is how I jumped. <laughs> Then you read a few stories of people who jumped off like that. Many of them, you don't know what became of them. You just know they jumped and followed the Lord. The Lord, you know what became of him? That's what, it mean, that's what it meant by the author and finisher of faith. He goes ahead of you. 
He leaves steps by which you should walk. Now, even though he has described these things for us, many times we get to that edge, we look down. Ah, is this, you do mean I should jump? Yes, that's what the Lord said. That's, that's the way the Lord went. He said, you are following the Lord. You get to the corner. Ah, wait, I should jump over this thing. He said, that's how the Lord went. And that's what he said, where he's telling us to come. He said, no, no, no. Then somebody will start preaching. You have to be wise. You know, you have to be wise. When you want to jump like that, you know, you got to have a parachute, amen. Praise God. You know, and you see the man, he has a lot of parachutes around him. Every member of his church, they have parachutes. So they jump, and then they float around and come back up. And say, you see, that is how to do it. And you follow him because it makes a lot of sense. I'm saying today, Jesus said, I don't accept that. If you want to follow me, you have to give up your life. Let me tell you something. Bear this in mind, okay? If you are following the Lord Jesus Christ, you put your hand on the plow, you can't look back. Another thing is that he said, whoever wants to preserve his life, will lose it. Now listen to this. He said, now don't just throw away your life. You have to be throwing away your life for my sake. That's when you will find it. If the decisions you are making for Jesus Christ do not appear as if you are wasting your life, then you are not following him properly. I don't know whether you are getting my point. You have to be making decisions that the only reason it makes sense is that it's Jesus I'm following. That if you remove Jesus from the equation, everything should make no sense. It's faith I'm talking about. You know the truth about life is that, check, about, check this very well, you find out that we spend more time as believers, as people, trying to preserve our lives rather than trying to give up our lives. Think about it. Many times, please don't be angry with me. I know you say I've come again. Let's go to this money matter again. It's just because it's such a common thing in Christianity. If you see most of the ways we are taught to give is for the preservation of our lives. Think about it. It is, if you give 5,000 naira, you will get 50,000 naira. So people give for what purpose? So as to get more money. The giving is for their own preservation. That is the thing. Please, tomorrow is Sunday. Just go and sample it again. Most preachers who tell Christians to give, they teach them an ungodly reason to give, which is your life will be preserved. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So the person is thinking, well, how will I... So when we come to Christianity, a lot of times we are trying to preserve our lives too, except that we are using Jesus. So we think we are good Christians. Now, because we did not go to the shrine, we did not use you know, the common human methods, we feel very righteous. But I want to tell you again today, that is not Christianity. Jesus does not accept it. I want to use that giving as an example. This is what Jesus accepts. I have 5,000 naira. Or I have 10. I will not get money for some time. So let me arrange this so it will last. Or let me invest it so it can produce for me for tomorrow. And then that is normal. Listen, you don't need to be spiritual to do what I have said. You just need to be, uh, let me, I want to use what, you just have to be not irresponsible. Just be a responsible person. 
Just be, don't be spendthrift. And what I have described is just a normal thing an average person should do. A natural man. Now, after you've made the plan, Jesus now sends one Elijah. Good example. And says, Elijah now says, give me something to eat. Like I say all the time, I know he promised the food would not finish, but notice, this woman did not know Elijah. That's why I wrote the book, to explain the principle behind that. Great it can be yours. Please try and read it. Now, why did the woman give to Elijah? One reason I want to bring out in the context of today's teaching is that Elijah was truly hungry. And you will notice something. She gave Elijah her portion of the food, not her son's portion. She had two portions, one for her, one for her son. So everybody was going to manage because she said, this man looks really hungry. She gave up her meal to save a life. The man was hungry. God made sure Elijah got there hungry. He was hungry before he left the brook. He took some time to get there. So the woman decided to give up something. That's how Christians give. When we want to plan our lives as believers, there are times you will be extremely intelligent. They think you are going to have a first class and go to this, do this, do this, and become one big man. And Jesus will say to you, through many ways, we're not discussing the details of how you will find, get to know now, that you're not going to do any of such. You are going to abandon your intelligence, abandon your first degree, you start a second degree, you will abandon that second degree, and you go and be, as an example, a missionary in one village. People will come there and say, this is a waste of your brain. All you are doing is educating people. Maybe you are a teacher in the rural area, and you are preaching on the side, and you are teaching on the side. All you are doing is educating people and teaching them primary school work. Do you know the likes of you should be a professor? You should be inventing in Silicon Valley. You should pretend something that will make billions of dollars. What are you doing in this village? Nursing these small boys and girls from the, you know, the, the rural people, trying to bring them out of darkness into light, and you claim you are preaching the gospel, you are, you are affecting only 10, 20, 30, okay, 50 lives, when you can be doing this all over the world, the only explanation you have is that one day I had a revelation, and the Lord made it clear to me, the way he met Paul on the road to Damascus, he made it clear to me this is where I'm supposed to go. As even me, I feel useless, just like you are thinking too, because I wake up in the morning, I don't have much to do. So I started farming on the side. I now have a poultry farm. I have a snail farm. <laughs> Me and my boys and girls, we go there to work. And God keeps you there. And the thought to be 10 years. It's been 15 years now. He has not changed his mind. The only reason that makes sense is that you're able to say, I have the clear ministration from God. And this, I gave this as an example. Like Paul, this is what he said I should do. Basically, human beings say you are wasting your life. And you say, yes, I agree with you, except that I'm wasting it according to what? His instruction. That's only that makes sense. So Paul said, everything that was gained to me, all of it I counted as what? Dung, as loss. Why? That I may gain Christ. Let me summarize it like that. I just needed to do something to gain Christ. This is where, that is, people will look. See, one day, one of my senior colleagues, after I finished my residency training, he sat me down, offered me a job. I was supposed to come to, he's a professor in one institution. I was supposed to go there. 
Now, I was going to consider it. I thought about it for a while. But he made a, mis- he made a mistake. Well, that was God helping me know that that's not his will. He mentioned one pastor in Lagos, one very big pastor, that that man was his classmate. They are both doctors. He's a professor now. And that, you see, and they were both going to fellowship. But like, as if that one carried it too far. He didn't expect this thing to be like this. So that one abandoned the practice of medicine, went to Lagos and started teaching faith. Until today, he's a pastor of a church. And his own classmate looked and said, what a waste of intelligence. Now, when he said that to me, in many words, I noted it. I said, me and this man will quarrel. I can't work for him. Because what he will consider as highly rated, I will lowly rate it. And things I want to spend my energy on, he will think is a waste of time. Maybe for some people, chasing molecules is not a waste of time. For me, it is. God will help some people discover molecules, medical cures, different kind of scientific advancements, just not my thing. Each person has his thing for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the interesting part. Many things in life that you will have thought you should have been good at, Jesus will take them from you. Once in a while, Jesus will make your life feel like you're wasting it. Unfortunately, many of the things we are taught as believers is how to preserve our lives. You know, sometimes when I'm teaching my wife about, you know, you know marriage things, just as an, as an example, just let me just drop one for women. I found that most women, my wife included too, so not to, don't feel bad, all right? I said, when they're talking with their husbands, they spend more energy trying to explain their position than trying to submit their position. Yeah, that's a matter of fact. And it's unfortunate. A lot of energy is spent trying to say, look, this is what I think. Now let me prove it to you. If only you will listen to me. I tell my wife, you don't get my point. I don't want to listen to you. I don't know whether you're getting the point. I I said that drastically, okay? I did that deliberately. So that you get the point. I said, you don't get what I'm saying. What the Bible says is that take time to understand my own position. Not because I'm more intelligent than you, but because I have the responsibility to lead. And if you don't like it, please don't marry. Many of you women, next life, say, God, I want to be a man. I can't follow anybody. (laughs) He said, what should I do? Listen, if you know what is... Oh, God, let me not get... You know, if I start... I I don't want to get stuck there. Because I, I look around and say... People don't understand the spiritual dynamics of marriage. Very few people do. If you really understand that, those dynamics, you understand? As a woman, you will pray for your husband seriously. You, you do, <coughs> because he has to make the right decisions. Because if he makes the wrong ones, you can't go against them. You will pray some more. You will pray some more. You will pray some more. And actually, you have a duty to download. And, you know what they call anointing? In the name of That is when the man is sleeping. You will pray until the Holy Spirit will possess him. And you have to pray by faith because I don't, you know, a lot of people practice witchcraft. You know what they call witchcraft? <laughs> a lot of what they teach women is pure witchcraft. It's not the word of God. Pure manipulation. That prayer is until he does what you say. You are a sinner. Because you are judging yourself wise. Who said you are right? Every man's way is right in his own eyes. Women too. The Lord is good. Just what I want to say, I, I tell, I tell women, I say, spend more energy submitting, not energy proving your point. 
I hope you're getting my point. Okay, some people, you know, some people are, they've switched me off now. Say, Pastor Frankie, I'm not following him. That's your problem. <laughs> Trying to help you, you are getting angry. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> Why do I have to talk about that? A lot of times we Christians, we spend more energy trying to save our lives. Most of the things, you see it all the time. In fact, the posters are not everywhere. Do you want to move to Canada? Do you see posters everywhere? I want to ask the person, why? Is it because I want legal ego or what? Am I trying to move to where I can smoke legally? What is the motivation? Let's be honest. The only motivation, it's not about my gift of God. It's not about how I can shine my light better. It is not about preaching the gospel. For 99.95% of people, it's about preserving my life. It's about preserving my life. Listen, as a believer, you know your duty? You wake up every day and say, how do I lose my life for the sake of Christ? Very few people ever reason like that. When we read scriptures, it's how do I use this Bible to save my life? Every decision you, decision you will make as a Christian must be so that your life can be more effective for him. That's what Christianity is about. It is not a method by which we preserve our worldly lives. You, 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 you know what I mean by worldly lives now? That is, oh, me too, I must, be enjoy, I must enjoy, I must be safe. No. The most important thing for Christians is that this life pleases the Lord. That's the most important thing. Listen, if to live to be 120 will not please him very much, but dying at 30 will please him a lot. Every Christian should volunteer to die at 30. That is true Christianity. You know, the fact is this. You know, the more I study, the longer I live, the more I realize that true Christianity is radical. That's number one. Number two, it's not commonly practiced. Where it is properly practiced, you won't see this kind of popularity of church that we have. You, you won't find it. You will not find it. I've hardly heard, I've had, heard, I've heard it a few times, but most times you go to churches and hear testimonies, especially financial testimonies. Is how I got. How I got something. It's hardly, you ha- it's only f- once in my life I went for one full gospel businessmen fellowship meeting. I was, it, it, I went to preach for them that day. And testimony time, I was surprised. Whoever had been teaching those people taught them well. Two or three people came up and gave testimonies on how they were able to fulfill their obligation to certain works that they were doing. They were going to have a convention, and one man said the desire of his heart was to give this amount of money, and he didn't have it. Make a long story short. Eventually, on a certain day, God worked a miracle for him. And he was able to do it. And, and he, he put down the microphone and went and sat down. And I'm wondering for, I was waiting for him to say, then the doors began to open. And then usually we'll not add to it, if you want doors to open for you like that, come forward right now. Everybody coming forward to preserve his or her life. That's the problem. And that woman came, you know, she said something, and I found it very funny. But very, I mean, blessed. But it was funny. That she needed the revelation to know that she could give positive checks to cover some things. But praise God, she was able to cover her contribution. I said, ah, somebody thought this was something good. Though. And she too went to sit down. That praise the Lord, we're able to do that. Not even for the fellowship now, but for one work she normally does in her hometown. You know, helping people. That day she was broke. Then she began to pray. And God now gave her an idea. And, then she, and if you see it, that is, 
when money will be coming for her later, the money will just be disbursed easily in that direction. Praise the Lord. So God saw that. These people are, in quotes now, losing their lives, and that's a testimony. That's real Christianity. You know, let me tell you, to follow Jesus, you know, he looked and said, you have to count the cost, whether you really want to follow me. Because sometimes it costs you friendship, costs you, you know, relationship with people that you love. Your father will make up his mind, you are not normal anymore. You know, when I was young, people used to feel sad when they hear somebody gave his life to Christ. But now nobody cares anymore because nothing changes. In fact, the only thing, we are even happier. Every wife wants the husband to give the life to Christ so that the womanizing will stop. They don't love Jesus. They just want to possess him completely. So if a, if a, if a, if a, you, you know, one of those guys give the life to Christ, the wife will be happy. Even though she's not going to church. But at least now, I know that. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Oh. When I was a child, People will call family meeting for anybody that gives his life to Christ. Because they knew the meaning. They don't lose. They know, they know this one is gone. They, they knew that this fellow, everybody is pursuing money, he won't pursue. They are buying cars, he will not buy. They are losing sleep to make money, he won't join them. If he's a man, is, I mean, already married, the wife knows that that's the end of fashion. That's the end of lipstick. That is, oh, everything is over. Then, they knew that these people will literally die to the world. Listen, I know we carry some things to an extreme. I know we did. But think about it. For those days, people understood that Christianity changed your life. Changed your manner of doing things. But now you see a guy, you see, oh boy, how now? I do. Oh, oh, my guy, what's happening? Ah, oh, we'll meet, we'll meet, we'll meet later. Then the guy hangs with the boys as usual on Friday, on Saturday. They, they say, Monday, uh, Sunday morning we'll see. And I say, no, I did go to church. I'll be digging. Ah! <laughs> when did you go to church? Ah, I don't born again. You know. They did not notice from Friday. <laughs> These guys have been together since Friday. They did not notice. Why? They hung out in the same places they used to hang out with the same activities. They gather the women as usual. But on Sunday morning, the guy checks, say, no, I'll meet you guys around four in the evening because we have, we have leaders meeting after church. After that, we are, you know, the couples are going to visit somebody and they know I'm the, I'm the, I'm a deacon. So his friends look like, yeah, a deacon. Then after a while, he drags his friends to church and the pastor say, the guy is into evangelism. No, they've realized that going to church does not change anything. Apart from your social standing, you become more acceptable. So the boys go to church and they don't change at all. So Jesus said, listen to me guys, I am coming to close your church down. I will sack your pastor, kill one or two of you people. I'm telling you, close the church down. Scatter the, you will, scandal will break out, don't worry. But I, as I live, I will not let that prosper for a long time. Beyond now. You know? One of my classmates said something, you know, this coronavirus thing is causing Jesus all over, you know. He's a clown, he jokes a lot, but he made a statement. And I said, I didn't just pass any comment because I knew it to be true. He said, Christians can fear. He said, they are not like Muslims. He wasn't trying to joke, he said, in my experience, he said, in my practice, I have noticed that Christians are the ones that fear more. 
I can show you the chart. He said, they are the ones that fear. And of course, when he said it, I just smiled. You know, I said something to us here before. About the righteousness of God. If Christians continue to fear more than Muslims, and Muslims are more willing, you understand, for example, to endure hardship. They are more willing to invest in the land. They are more willing to give up what they have for the cost of their religion. Listen to me. God will deliver the nation to them. There is, listen, that is called the righteousness of God. That is called the righteousness of God. You must understand it. He will not be able to justify doing the opposite. That is why he said, I don't like lukewarm Christianity. He said, I don't like it. Let me get you, let you guys should understand that when I find lukewarm Christianity, I close the whole thing down. Is that not what he said? We keep quoting these things. Let's just, for, in case for, for those who have not been reading it, let's quickly open our Bibles to the book of Revelation. Go to chapter 3. I want to read from verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the Amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God says this. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will literally listen. The literal Greek, I, my Bible has posted beside, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Meaning that you are inside me. Do you understand my point? It's not just pity you're not in my mouth. What he said is, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That is, even though you say you are inside Christ, Christ said, no, I'll pull you out from there and throw you out. He said, I will spit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich and I've become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that in reality you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I won't read beyond that. Let me just stop here. Because what I want to bring out is for us to just see that he said it clearly. I don't like lukewarm Christianity. What is lukewarm Christianity? Those who profess to be Christians, but they are not living like Christ in every area of their lives. And they are not aggressively pursuing, improving the manifestation of Christ in every aspect of their lives. That's what they mean by lukewarm Christianity. What is hot for a Christian today? In 10 years, if he's doing exactly the same thing, he can become lukewarm. Because Jesus says, listen, by now, there are things you should now know. There's a level at which you should be operating now, not the one you were doing 10 years before. He did not say it. He said, by this time that you are supposed to be teachers. There's a time, a time comes, you should be the one teaching. A time comes in your life, you are still saying, Papa, Papa, my Papa, my Pastor. And that's like God has spoken. God said, this one is a useless child. You know, I was thinking about it today. And you know something, don't know, I was just in my bedroom. I was just moving around. I started laughing to myself. I said, some of the things we brag about, God says, they are just signs of being children. You know, we are babies. Because I was thinking about this in Christ thing. In fact, before I, before I go into my meditations, let me explain something here. Listen, what I'm, this is what I'm going to today. I want all of us to understand that we must take Christianity seriously. Otherwise, now listen to what I want to say. Otherwise, this Islam we are afraid of, they said that Uthman Dan Fodio, 
said he will dip the Quran in the sea, right? Have you heard that him before? Otherwise, we will help him dip it. We will clear the road for him until he dips it by his descendants. And they will now be teaching political affairs to generations after. How Christianity was conquered because they, were, they did not know how to politically strategize. Jesus said, no, no, that's nonsense. What really happened was that I saw people who called themselves Christians. They were getting lukewarmer by the day. So the more lukewarm they became, and listen, let me quickly tell you, there is nowhere you will run to. Because I've thought about every place where I know people can run to will suffer worse judgment. Let me tell you about Christianity. Just know you are dead. Yes. Start like that. As I did so, I don't die. So the only life you live, you have to live by the faith of Christ. This one that my, 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 my vision is to have a house in independence layout. Just know it's madness you are getting engaged in. It won't happen. Leave that in. First make up your mind that whether I have a house or I don't have a house doesn't matter. As long as I serve Christ in this my life. If you do like that, do you get my point? That is when you can make the right decisions for God in life. Many people are making decisions to preserve their life. That's all. Self-preservation. As a believer, spend your energies making, losing your life for his sake. Paul says something. He said, I'm in a straight between two. Using old English. I don't know which one to choose. Whether to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, or to remain and continue to minister to your faith. He said, when I realize the benefit I will be to you, I choose to remain. I hope you're getting my point. He said to them, constantly, my life is being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice of your faith. Basically, Paul was saying, every day I am giving my life up for the service of Christ. You know what I found out? When we were babies, they taught us little things as if, you know, like a man like Joseph, he suffered. After he suffered, and then he entered into enjoyment. Amen. Praise God. So right now, you might have a suffering. Mm. But I know something great is about to happen to you. You're about to stop trekking and start driving. You're about to stop driving and start flying. Nonsense childish doctrines. You know, I, I look back, I say, back, you mean you said amen at a time? You know, I look back and I say, wait. You know, when they say, Jesus, God is very patient. I say, Lord, indeed you are patient. Because we gathered around some of those things. And Jesus, I, just imagine him there laughing. If we could see his face that time, he say, what is funny? He won't be able to tell us. He wouldn't be able to tell us. He wouldn't be able to explain. Because we'll not be able to understand. That Joseph suffered, in quote, and continued to suffer till he died. He wouldn't be able to explain to us that what you are rejoicing over doesn't work like that. Oh, you think Joseph suffered the house of Potiphar, then he now enjoyed as prime minister? No, he never did. I just changed the platform upon which he was serving me. That's all I did. I first bested my satisfaction for Joseph wherever he will find himself. So when he was in the house of Potiphar, the satisfaction I gave to him made him able to function maximally even though he was a slave. So maximally that Potiphar 
resigned from running his own house. And the only thing the Bible says he ever complained about is the size of his food. That Potiphar concerned himself with nothing in his own household, apart from the food they would give him. He said, no, 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 I don't want your new cook to cook my food again. Yes, sir. How much he earned, how much was spent, the Bible says Potiphar concerned himself with nothing. Then through the events that God allowed into Joseph's life, into that house, Potiphar's house, Joseph landed in prison. Of course, naturally, he would be sad for a few days. Then the thing started again. In a short while, the manager of the prison said, what am I doing walking when Joseph is there? He gave everything over to Joseph. That's exactly the same way that Pharaoh handed everything to Joseph. Go and check it. The same life. The man lived that same life from the house of Potiphar all the way to the house of Pharaoh. So if you think there was a time the house of Pharaoh, Joseph was now picking his teeth, say, we have arrived now. The days of our youth were working. It's not now. Amen. We have arrived. Many, of, I, I gave it to Jesus once I went to preach somewhere and I asked people, I said, how many of you believe the governor of Enugu State is enjoying and they all put up their hands? I said, how many people would like to be a governor so that they can enjoy it too? All their hands went up and I said, this is why God will never make you a governor. You don't, have, you don't get the point. And if you're a Christian, you ever think like that, listen to me. You will never make it to that position. If God has given you a word that you will get there one day, two things. One, he can withdraw the word. Or two, he will do it like Leon of Bayelsa State. He will have fulfilled his word, but he will never be governor. They will elect you. He can give you one day. They swear you out and they swear you in in the morning by evening. Supreme Court will read something. <laughs> So my word has been fulfilled. You say, you say I'll make, uh, yes, you have been governor. You are ex-governor now. Go and ask Andy Uba. 11 days. Okay, I'll make your own, your own two weeks, 14 days. Whichever. No. You can do that. But the first one I said, he does that also. He said to Eli, did I not say that you and your father's house will be priests for me forever? I said, no, no, far be it from me. Because every promise I make, listen to this, every promise I make has implicit conditions. It's your duty to look inside and say, what do I need to do for this promise to be fulfilled? When God makes promises like that, there are conditions that are implicit. It's our duty to go and look for what exactly is he trying to achieve in giving that promise. God does not ever give a promise for us on this earth that is for us to enjoy and be settled on the earth. No, he's left that one for heaven. This earth is purely an assignment from beginning to the end of it. From the beginning to the end of it is an assignment. From the very beginning to the very end. So Christians, that's why we spend our energy. That's what God is calling for. Losing our lives for him. Every place we find ourselves, a man like Joseph as an example, the fact that we preach this doctrine does not mean that Joseph will never be elevated. But the way we see elevation as believers is not the way the world sees it. The moment God raises a Joseph up, he should ask himself, who am I supposed to preserve? I hope you're getting my point. Because when the brothers of Joseph came, he told them, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for what? For good. Why? So that I will preserve many lives. So I've preserved Egypt. I've preserved Pharaoh. Now you are going to gather my father and the whole household. 
Let him come over so they will be preserved. Why did he do that for them? He said, be preserved until the iniquity of the Amorite be full. So every time God elevates a Christian, it's a new responsibility. Every time you are elevated as a believer, it is a new responsibility. Always. That's how it is. <laughs> you know, Christianity, like I said before, is pure death. It's death to self. I've thought about it. That how, why can't you get to a point in this life when I say now we have settled? God, Jesus said, look, it doesn't work like that. Will you ever get to a point in life that you are settled? The answer is yes, but it's from the beginning. I don't know whether I get the point. By the time you are struggling in quote, as that Joseph, you must have entered into rest. So that even though you are broke, you are at rest. I hope you're getting my point. Our rest as believers is never derived from outside circumstances. No. You cannot say, ah, I have entered into rest from outside circumstances. No. Your rest as a Christian is determined by the understanding of God that you have. Your rest as a believer is working in Christ all the time. That is, why broke you have entered, you have entered into rest? So it's not as if now that I have millions and millions and millions of dollars, I have now entered into rest. Now, let me say something to you. The moment you think like that, God will send you back into poverty. One of the things I want to teach along this line, I don't know whether I can start that today, all right, is to let us understand that you will, see, once you've, listen, life has different realms. We can all be carrying human flesh, we are not operating the same realm. I hope you're getting my point. We are not. We can all be walking about. We are not living. Listen, even the people on this earth, this flesh that you are seeing, there are many people carrying flesh about. They are not even human beings. That's not a joke. Angels walk around with flesh. The Bible says that many have entertained them Without knowing. I am absolutely convinced. You know, angels come in different, you know, ranks, types. There are cherubims, there are seraphims, there are, there are normal angels. There are some angels that their job is to walk around with human flesh. They come in different types. When God came to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he came in human flesh. Are you aware of that? Accompanied by Two other angels that came in human flesh. They sat down and they ate. It was real human flesh. It wasn't magic. I just imagine that they have a shelf. When they are coming down, they go and take the flesh, they wait. How do we know it's flesh? Because they sat down. Abraham made food for them. They ate it. In fact, I suspect it was some of those misbehaving angels. They gave them flesh. They used to chase women. It's not in your Bible. Sons of Anarchy. And God said, the gifts of God and callings of God are without repentance. Once you give them the flesh, go and do as you like with it. Go and do a job, man. The guy see woman, say, ye. The other guy in heaven, no say there's no marriage like Now that we have this flesh, let's see what we can <laughs> do with it. You think angels don't have thoughts? They have thoughts. They are real living people. They just are not human beings like you and I. Those angels came, they sat with the Lord, they, with Abraham, and they ate. They tasted the food. There are a lot of people walking around. Look, they are like that. 
Even God himself, when he used to come to the Garden of Eden, you think it's, an, it's a spirit that will just show, Adam, I have come. Adam will say, have you finished transforming? He say, yes. Adam probably thought, now listen to this. To the Adam, they probably were something like neighbors. You just leave the father away. Because when he would come, Adam and him, they looked alike. Don't forget, he made Adam how? In his image. Please, I hope you are following my point here. So there are a lot of people walking around. You may have met them. I may have met them. They come in all sizes and shapes. But you will never know. So the fact that you are carrying flesh now does not mean you are like everybody around. That's why, that's why I'm saying all of these things. You may not be an angel, but you're also a spiritual being that God has given this flesh. And they say, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creature. There's a new kind of person that you are. Anyone, he said, except the man be born again. How did he say it again? And he was talking about those who are born, those who believe in me, sorry. We are born of what? They were born not of the will of man, but what? John chapter 3, yes. Well, I want us to understand this in John chapter 1, sorry. Verse um, 9. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, now listen to this, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That those who did not believe in him were born of blood, and of the will of flesh, and of the will of man. I hope you're getting my point. But those who have believed, he said that they had, they are no longer of that category. They are now new people. I hope you're getting my point. What am I trying to explain to you? That is, you may look like you are carrying flesh, but angels carry flesh. There's nothing strange about that. You're not, it's not only natural human beings that carry flesh. Being born of God, you see, carry flesh. But this is the point I'm making. The way by which your life is lived, the things that determine what happens to you, they are different. The world is obsessed right now with coronavirus. It is nonsense for a child of God to be obsessed with it. Before you can get corona anything, a discussion is made. And if there's any reason why you should have corona, God will take it and say you should have corona seven days and not beyond. Go and read the Bible, the story of the church in Sardis. Say you are going to have persecution for ten days. That is, there is no Jupiter. That is, Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar couldn't make that in ten and have this. Joseph went to prison. Everybody went to prison, so. But Joseph, his pathway to the destiny of God was through prison. Some people are supposed to die there. Nobody could kill that Joseph in that prison. Except he deliberately walked away from the plan of God for his life. And that's something I want to talk about to Christians. So we are not average people. We are not normal people. The problem, however, is that we keep on living average lives, keep on thinking normal life, normal thoughts. Therefore, we begin to have normal experiences, and that now reinforces for us the fact that we think we are normal, we're average. So a non-believer teaches us how to preserve our destiny, our future. We learn it. 
They say save 10% every month. We do that. Invest in stock. We do. Mutual funds. We do. God says, listen, say you have gone it that way. There's no problem. Except that periodically I come to judge the flesh. And there is no way on earth you can pray your own investment out of that judgment. It's not possible. So after you have invested and done everything, he will not be angry with you. Then one day, coronavirus will strike in China. And the stock market will be depressed worldwide. And your own investment too will be depressed. And because he loves you so much, he gives one an angel for that depressing machine to depress the one you invested in further. Why? Because for you, it's not just about money. It's about eternal lessons. He said, I want you to be able to say with conviction, all flesh is grass. And the goodness thereof are like the flowers of the field. I want you to be able to say it with conviction. Let me give my own personal experience. God has done that one to me very well. Very, very well. Very well. Anything I do because of money will frustrate it. You just get on money. I have this idea. It will bring money. Because no problem. Bank it. Go ahead. If I ever bring an investment, I say you should join me. Just don't bother. I say, Jonah, I'm not coming. <laughs> on your way to Tashish. I'm going to Mount Nineveh. Thank you. I think he just told me from time. Thank you. I didn't send you to this life to go and be making money. If I tell you some of my life stories, then you will laugh. One day, when I, shortly after I left school, of course, we we're house officers. We we're extremely very poorly paid. So everybody wanted to make small extra money. And I got this idea because I followed one of my friends who lived in Onitsha. I went to go and buy some things one time. No, he helped me buy some things. And I got this idea that I could go to Onitsha, buy things and come and be selling. Nothing wrong with it, though. Is there anything wrong with that? But God said, who? Banky. Going where? Onitsha. He said, okay, let him go. So I went. As I came out, Agberos just surrounded me. <laughs> Think about it. That was my first time of being alone inside the nature. Surrounded by Agbero. Wanted to see what was in my bag. Let's leave the story there. You know I never came back. Do I need to tell you I never came back? That was 1991 or 92. I never came back. One day stock market was booming in Nigeria. Before that, I preached to everybody, buy stock, not for money. You remember my preaching. Restore our captivity as streams renew the desert. God said, those who sow in tears shall reap with joy. Listen to me. Don't pray for this country if you will not invest in it. It's a waste of time. Your money is needed. Think like this. What job can I create? Let me employ two, three people. You're not looking for extra money. But at least you have to restore the captivity by pouring into the land. I preached that time. Then after some time, people were not... One day I sat down, I was now looking at... Oh, Father in heaven, I give you praise. You are forever good, Father. I sat in my house. One brother was deceiving the neighborhood on, tele- on radio. Talking about the magic of penny stocks. Now they call penny stock. Don't worry, don't bother knowing it. It has no meaning. When he finished, I don't know who drove me. Buy penny stocks, they can only go up, they can't go down. God said, hey, you think so? Just watch me. Now I go gather money. For the first time in my life, I bought stock to act to make money. It crashed by a value of at least 90%. Because the bank, do you see one penny stock? <laughs> I said, Lord, before I was afflicted, I went astray. 
But now I obey your word. I put in 200,000 naira within a few weeks. It was what only 20k? Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> oh, you think I've never seen before? <laughs> I have. After that, they say, come and buy money. I said, look, you guys don't understand. These angels are marking me. They are following me about. They are following me about. What is that doing? They are following me about. So please leave me. Please leave me alone. Some of you have the gift that God sent you that way. I'm, I'm not everybody's like me. I'm just saying to say that God said, Banky, lie, lie. This one, not me and you. So I have learned that anything I want, I ask God for it. And let me tell you something. I have, what I want to say, I'm not bragging. I'm not bragging. If I can persuade myself and the Lord that I need two billion naira, I will get on my knees and ask him for it. I just give him time. He will deliver it. He does not fail. You know one of the reasons why I don't criticize people that fly private jet? Because I know, I don't know where my life is going yet, but I know the day may come that I will have to travel so often. I need to pack one in Enugu. If I need to do it, my brethren, I won't tell you about it. It's only my wife I will tell. I say, sweetheart, look at the number of times I've been flying up and down, running up and down. I've been, maybe I'll calculate in the last one month, I've wasted a total of 10 days in airports. You know, when you are poor, you don't feel bad about it. But when you are busy, when, look, one day, listen, my mother is not from high finance area. She retired as a headmistress in a primary school working for government. That's the work my mother did. But one day, they talked, you know, this private jet matter, one day they trust her personally because they told her that G.O. Adeboye was coming to Akure. So she left home and went and stood in the stadium from that morning Till late in the evening and left and Gio did not arrive because there was a hold up on the Lagos Ibano Express Road. That was the day she got converted. Next time, bros, buy a private jet and fly that because Akure has an airport. Why am I? Ah, look at the effort I put in today. Why should a man like you be held up inside the hold up? Now the point I'm making is so if you have that kind of schedule, I made up my mind. Listen, all I need to do is kneel down. And say to God, please, I need one. If I say it, you know what he said? You will not see rain. You will not see dew. But the valley will be full of water. That's how my life is. That's one thing I've realized that. So me, when I want to make, once I say, hey, this thing will make money, I know, say, there's trouble. There's trouble. I just say, wahala, don't come. Me, personally, I go as a banker. I didn't give you that pursue money anointing. Do what you are supposed to do because what, that is what you are supposed to do. Then I will bless you in return. I don't have to bring the blessing from what, where you are doing what you are doing. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So he can pay whichever way he likes. Listen, when you are a believer, let me tell you, your life is not average. That's what they have learned. It's not average. What you need to do as a Christian is to make up your mind which realm do I want to walk in. Every day people are talking about how to prevent coronavirus. They say, hey, touch your ear. And no, they say, don't touch your face. Don't touch your mouth. Then the woman telling us, dip her hand in their mouth to open the paper. 
And the whole world laughed at it. The, the, the WHO was explaining. And the government official, to prevent the spread of this virus, you have to start learning now how to do some things differently. For example, don't touch your face. Don't touch your ears. Don't touch your nose. And don't touch your mouth. Anytime you touch your mouth, you are, and you went to open the page. Now I put half for mouth. <laughs> The arm of flesh will fail you. <laughs> we believe I've read our scriptures. But that, the fact that you have found the virus, I've heard people say that, you know, those days people believed in plagues. They did not know about viruses and diseases. I said nonsense. The fact that you know about viruses and bacteria now has not changed the fact that they were plagues that were spiritually determined. It is saying that they believe that people used to kill people with guns, but now we now know it's not people with bullets. Will that make sense to you? Say, so we have been arresting people, charging them for murder, because they point this weapon at somebody, they pull the trigger, and the person dies. We used to think they were the ones that killed them, but now we have found out that they have bullets. It's bullets that are killed. The question will be, who fired this, what we are talking about? You think these, these plagues, look, read your Bible. These plagues, God made it clear they will come. He sends them. Sometimes there are sins we create it. And then they can decide that it will not affect some people. Yes, that's what, that's what I'm going to explain. They can say, okay, okay, everybody on this side, it will not affect you. One breeze will come, blow it in another direction. So when you see news like that, stop running around and say, okay, do, where do I have water? Where do I, how do I get? No, first thing you go and pray, Father God, is this plague for everybody or is it for some people? Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon my country. Have mercy upon my people. Then he can, in that process, say, make a cake of figs and apply to the to the boil, and he will get well. It does not mean the cake of figs healed Hezekiah. It means Hezekiah first prayed to God and said, "Should I die now?" And God said, "Okay, since you are asking me, Isaiah, go back. Tell him I've given him fifteen more years." What about the sickness he has? Tell him to make a cake of figs. Apply it there and he will be well. The next man with a boy, make a cake of figs, make pandayam of figs, you will still die. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point here. So what should a believer do? We first kneel down and pray. So, after receiving the word from heaven, every day we are going out, no evil shall befall me. No plague will come near my dwelling place. These things are not accidents. You like touch your nose, touch your ear, don't touch anything. If God says we get there, it will get there. They still don't know how it got to Italy till now. Because the man they traced it to was negative. But believers, the point I'm making is that you are careful. You are careful to practice the right reasoning. Because sometimes what we do that we just leave the realm God has placed us in. We come down to the realm of the flesh. We start living there. And it starts happening to us as it happens to everybody around. I will not think we are normal people. We are not normal people. And when I talked about total faith some time ago, and there's another series we talked around that line and sometime last year, trying to explain the fact that we have to make sure our faith is with us constantly. A lot of people want to reach out for faith when they think they need God. But when they don't need God, they don't bother. Like I say with my, to my wife, when we are joking sometimes, I say an ever-present help in the time of trouble, but only in the time of trouble. 
You do cast that joke. That when we don't need the help, we don't go to him. We only remember him. It's only for the time of trouble. God said that is why your faith is weak. You have to have faith in the time of peace. If it will work in the time of trouble. 